This is Tell Me What to Read, the podcast of booktopia.com.au. I'm Nick Wasiliev and I'm delighted to welcome you back to our new podcast and our new season. Restarting our season with a bang, we're delighted to have a special discussion on women's health. On today's episode, we sit down for a special guest discussion featuring Lise Carlo and Sarah Wills, host of Those Two Girls podcast on Listener and authors of 40 Favours the Brave, a beautiful book offering real life stories on the highs, lows and unexpected delight of life in your 40s. They sit down with Alison Daddo, co-host of the Separate Bathrooms podcast and author of Queen Menopause, Finding Your Majesty in the Mayhem. Check the show notes below for timestamps for the interviews. And if you enjoy our content, drop us a review. You can also find links to all of the books mentioned in this podcast below or head to booktopia.com.au. Now over to our guest interview discussion with Lise Carlaw, Sarah Wills and Alison Daddo. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Tell Me What to Read, the podcast from booktopia.com.au. My name is Sarah Lee. Sarah Lee's? No, it's not. That's a chocolate cake. Obviously, I've just had some kind of slip. This is how joined at the hip you and I are, because that was Sarah. This is now Lee's. And together we are not Sarah Lee or Sarah Lee's. We are those two girls. And we have written a book called 40 Favours the Brave, which is a collection of musings and advice from women about the roller coaster ride that is their middle years and joining us on the pod today is Ali Bray Dado. She's also known oh. as Her Majesty Queen Menopause because oh, that God. is the title. <laughs> that is the title of your brand new book, Ali, and we're so thrilled to have you because you featured in our book as Sarah did you say that? I didn't Oh well now I'm saying it. So this is like a happy family reunion, isn't it? It is. It is. I think I was your and I was your first yeah, I was your first interview for for your 40 podcast. So that was amazing. And here we are having a chat about both of our books. You've written I a know. book. I've written a book. But just to be clear, and I know I, I'm going to have to explain the title for the rest of my life. I am not queen menopause. It's how I want everyone to feel at the end of their menopause experience that they feel like a queen, either going into it or the end of it. But it was it was a, one of those titles that I, I thought long and hard about if it was going to be the right one because that's exactly what my daughter said. My, she goes, are you saying you're queen menopause? I was like, oh, God, no, no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying I want everyone to feel like they are queen menopause. So... Well, you want everyone to find their majesty in the mayhem. I, I think the do. title is is brilliant, Ali, regardless of how people interpret it <laughs> and what we know to be true for women traversing these middle years um, yes. is that people do look to others for shared wisdom, shared life experience. And Sarah and I were talking before recording this today and almost loving the synergy between our book and yours and our message and your message Yeah, in that our book, 40 Favours the Brave, feels like the little sister to Queen yeah. Majesty because it is the decade possibly where perimenopause might strike in our 40s or perhaps it's the decade prior, but things are happening in our lives now that you've been through, which is why you were our very first guest. And, and you spoke so beautifully about it because 
Ali, in all honesty, Lise and I had never even heard the term perimenopause Mm -hmm. until we were about 39. And then all of a sudden it started popping up left, right and centre. And you were our first interview on 40 and you were so vulnerable and honest in your experiences of the hormonal upheaval that that had brought you. In fact, I've got a quote of yours that you agreed to kindly let us include in the book. And you said, I'm in a bit of a battle royale right now with it all. I've been so focused on raising my kids, having this teaching career with kids. Not only was I not focused on what I looked like, I wasn't focused on my health and fitness either. And that's a mistake I made when perimenopause came calling. And I felt like my body started to break down very, very quickly. I put on a lot more weight. My joints started to ache. There was cellulite from hip to knee. You know, the nano flaps on the arms arrived and it just seemed to happen so fast. And I've been so used to not having to work hard for any of that kind of physical look. And then all of a sudden I was looking in the mirror going, wow, okay, this is interesting. So it's been a challenge to write that shift for me to be able to look at myself and go, okay, you don't look like you did when you were 21. You don't look the way you did when you were 35. You're 50. Is there something I want to change? And if I can't change it, can I find it in me to be okay with this and to love the way I look now? And what I think that is, Ali, is so comforting for the thousands of people who read that sentiment, who heard you say it, and who will subsequently read your book, Queen Menopause, because there's a there's a real sisterhood in feeling like if Ali Dado can feel that way, then it's okay <laughs> for me to feel that way too, because you've grown up as an Aussie icon for a generation of girls and women. So I think your ability to be so forthright, so vocal, it's a shift in this menopausal mindset in society. Well, I I hope to be just a, a yeah, if I can be just a small part of that I would be so grateful and so honored because I mean I was like you you ladies you know I was in my 40s I think before I heard about perimenopause yeah. you know what's the what's the peri part of it and again as I write in my book you know I I just fully expected my period to stop and that was it and but then when yeah when or as i as i said before this rapid decline and no word no talking no this feeling of just utter loneliness in this wild of looking around going hang on a minute no one's talking about it no one's explaining it no one's sharing what they feel and i just wanted to be someone that would go all right or you perimenopause ladies or or pre-perimenopause ladies let's join together let's have a chat about this this is what you can maybe expect um this could be the worst of it this could be the best of it but there's so much juicy stuff on the other side of it because that's what no one else tells you about either that Mm. there's all this glory juicy wonderfulness that so many women talk about in the post-menopausal years and I want women to know about that because we're just kind of otherwise we're just left with this you're a dried up old prune that no one cares about anymore feeling and you better not complain about it because no one cares it's like nah nah that can't be that cannot be it that cannot be the end (laughs) and we feel so passionately about flipping this narrative around what clicking over 
that 40 milestone might mean because when I was 39 and, and the reasons why Sarah and I started 40, the podcast and subsequently the book is because there was this panic moment of I've indexed my worth to my appearance. And, you know, you were one of the people who, who really spoke so honestly to us about that, about the lie that women being beautiful is is where it's all at. And then when that starts to go, then what even are we? Mm. And that, you know, you told us we have so much to offer as we get older, we get more powerful, we have this life experience and nobody's sharing that with younger women. So you were a huge part in in changing that rhetoric of that, uh, the old crone that I was Mm. so scared of falling into. So then old crone sounds like such fun. As well. And we had a chance to chat with Kathy Lett Alley and she's oh, um, she included a quote in our book as well. And I think it echoes what you're saying. She said, I think for women, life is in two acts and the interval is the menopause, which is pretty gruesome. But once you get through the menopause where you sweat so much, it's like the Gestapo trying to get a confession out of you. <laughs> On the other side of that is liberation. There's no periods, no pregnancy scares. Your yeah. estrogen goes down, the testosterone comes up and you get a little bit more bolshy, a little bit more selfish, a little bit more like a bloke, basically. And you put yourself first for the first time in your life as a female. And it's just the most brilliant fun. Is that how you feel now, Ali? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. And that's the part that's exactly right. That was, um, I listened to that interview. I listened to pretty much every single interview that you guys do because I, I just adore listening to you guys. And it always brings a smile to my face. Plus the things I've learned as well as a 52-year-old listening to these 40-odd age women from your podcast has been so enlightening. I've just loved it. So, and yeah, Kathy Lett is awesome and she she totally nails that feeling and you know a lot of the there's I, I talked to Rhonda Birchmore there's a story um mm-hmm. uh you know from her in the book and just how fabulous her menopause was she just breezed through had barely a symptom and she's just owned who she is even more and that's what the what's what the, the main feeling is is that you can't put yourself second anymore it's too there's it, it doesn't sort of all of that, like, oh, I'm at the bottom of the list and let me see what everyone else needs, just seems to fall away. And you become like this solitary person and the leader of your own pack. And I just, I'd never had that. I'd never, I, I, I don't think I'd even had that as a child, as a teenager, certainly never as a mother. <clears throat> and um, it's such a wonderful experience. And I don't know if I would have gotten there without that whole, going through the ups and downs and the challenges of menopause where my body kind of yanked me along to go, you have to take care of your shit girl. Cause you're falling apart. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's spot on. It's exactly that for many women. I find that experience is it. Ali, why do you think menopause has been held in shame for so long? And it's what's really interesting too. And I, I found this so fascinating. It's mostly in Western society. So Mm. if you look at Indigenous cultures, um, the Japanese culture, where ageing is so honoured 
and it's so you, the hierarchy of who you are as an older woman is 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 in held in such high regard and that and in those cultures menopausal symptoms are way less now you mm. can't you know you can't make that correlation without going okay what are we telling our western women about menopause that it's going to be awful it's going to be horrible you're going to lose your sex appeal you're going to lose your fertility and there's something around that and that invisibility of not being fertile anymore that I think that goes harkens back to sort of like this I don't know if it's a caveman days or whatever where you're not sort of able to breed anymore so therefore you're not you know in in worthy worthy yeah Mm. and I think that um I think there's something that that women deeply hold about that that we're not physically able to procreate so therefore we're no longer sexy so if we're no longer sexy we're no longer seen men don't find us as appealing and because the body does shift and change and we start to sort of put on weight when we can't help but put on weight um and we're getting angry and we don't know why we're getting angry and I think that all of those things just sort of layer upon layer this sort of feeling of don't talk about it it's I'm embarrassed it's it's I'm ashamed of this and it's it's just so unfortunate that we're at that place. I Can think we... the the negativity right around the messaging would absolutely affect phys- affect women physically and mentally. So I think it's books like yours, hopefully books like ours, where yes. just sharing stories. <laughs> women are incredible storytellers. It's something yes. we've been doing since the dawn of time. One of the books that I remember reading that shaped me as a young woman, because I was only in my 20s, was a book called The Red Tent. I don't yeah, know if yes. either of you have ever read it. I've I read it. Yeah, tell you the author. But that book stayed with me it was set in oh gosh like biblical times so I'm sure you yeah. can order it from booktopia.com.au I'm, sure <laughs> I'm sure and basically it talks about this place that was referred to as the red tent where women would congregate at the time of um, their menstrual cycle and they would all go through their period at the same time because we know women sync up (laughs) so in tribal times or in in those sort of village or communities where they were all together all the time women would have babies in that tent they would miscarry together they would see one another's naked bodies and they would witness one another aging and I think that now we live in silos and if you don't have conversations like the ones we're having today or books like the ones we're trying to put out in the world where we're saying hey this is my story or this is Ali Dado's story or uh, Kathy Lett's story then we don't know what to expect and I think there's danger and so much danger in secrecy yeah yeah Yep. Yep. And we need, we need to know the full circle. I think that's what helps people move ahead is when we understand the full circle of what, of what is happening to our bodies and what is happening to our emotions. And if, if that's what we keep hearing as well, then we understand that it's the menopause isn't just the end. It's just part Mm -hmm. of the story. And I think that's where we kind of get to this end of something with menopause and, I just want people to know that there's so much more. It's there's a there's another cycle that that completes in there that there's so much more to it. But it's not the final yeah. destination. Yeah. It's not. It's really not. Ali, you spoke about the anger 
and the rage and can we go into the impact that has for women who are going through perimenopause menopause on their relationships i share the story in 40 favors the brave about one of my girlfriends katrina who was 49 she had kids later which means her own perimenopause was coinciding with her tween girl's own Mm. hormonal dump which is not an uncommon story um so there's just a household of surging female hormones and she says like I can feel the rage I can feel the snapping I can feel the anger I know I should model this good behavior for my daughter because she's probably experiencing exactly the same thing because perimenopause is just puberty in reverse right yeah and she said the you know she's so prone to tears and she's not a crier and she told me about one night she was sitting down and there was a an SBS insight panel on menopause. And she was sitting down with her husband. They've been together for 15 years. And she said, I was so pleased because he was really listening intently. And for her, one of the key takeaways of the show was how it's so important to have a partner who's supportive and there through the peri highs and lows. And there were lots of women sharing their experiences. And one casually mentioned how quitting alcohol and Uh, coffee really helped her moods but at the end of the show my friend Katrina said all her husband said was well better stop the wine and coffees then and she said it was like a red flag to a bull and she just let rip she was like did you hear the rest of it I have sacrificed everything for this family my boobs are gone I've had four children and that's what you take away like yeah it's a really volatile time in relationships can't it absolutely I would have been mad too (laughs) if that's the only takeaway that he got um look the 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 statistics are pretty amazing when you look at the rate of divorce at that age. Um, it's a high rate of homelessness for women as well, um, which is really interesting. So look, and, and, and I, I kind of wonder about the, the divorce rate because sometimes I wonder, are women just waking up and going, holy crap, why have I been with this asshole for this long? Uh, and now I, now I want to change. Or is it like the, without the conversation, without the understanding, without the empathy of the husband or the partner, you know, is that where, um, is that where the, 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 the partnership or marriage is falling apart? I, I do say this though. Um, I do think, I think it's important for women to also understand that your partner's going through menopause with you and to have some understanding of how difficult that can be as well, because, all of a sudden your your husband and your partner's watching this woman, you know, get really angry for no reason that they can understand, get really teary for no reason that they can understand. If that woman's not sharing and, uh, and understanding it for herself, it's very difficult to communicate. So it's very, I think it's a real challenge on their behalf as well. Um, but I think the best thing, the best thing that any partner could do is learn about what the symptoms are of perimenopause and have some empathy and some kindness for their partner. Because if they want to stay together with this woman, they need to know about it. They need to understand it because it's it can be so it can be such a huge upheaval. And of course, you know, not that's not even going into the sexual libido side of things which can be really traumatic for both women and men you know when the libido 
goes or the vagina dries up and you know you've got to deal with all of those aspects as well so without the communication and the kindness it's a it's a hard road to 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 go down so is it a good idea for people who are going to buy queen menopause to just bookmark a few pages and leave them lying around for their partner to read I actually write a chapter for partners I actually say mm. this is where I want you to hand it to your fellow or woman whoever is in the relationship with you because I I think it's so important and I there's I have a couple of stories in there from men about going through menopause with their partner Um, I think it's important to talk to your kids about it because it's the same thing you know they're watching mum kind of fall apart and we're always so taught to be so strong for our kids and you know you know don't let them see you cry or whatever it is we're taught as women Um, and I just had to keep saying this is not about you this is not about you this is menopause I'm I'm got I've got it under control I know what's going on but I am feeling really angry today I am feeling really teary today and as once you take the onus that it's got nothing to do with them kids then can feel that safety once more that oh it's it's mum's just going through something but I'm okay um how did you manage yours Ali did you take HRT did you throw everything at it find a good GP what did you do look I I didn't go the HRT route um I've always been a a super natural girl and I wanted to see if I could go um see what I could do naturally first I am certainly not against HRT and there's a lot of women that have had the most amazing results with HRT um and it comes highly recommended from most GPs to to go that route I I went to my I have a, a a female naturopathic doctor who will spend an hour and a half with me each time talking about every symptom every emotional thing and I wanted that um, I think that GPs need there's we need more time from our GPs we need more kindness sometimes from our GPs rather than I know they see a lot of patients but. There's a lot of things that get just, oh, just go do this or just take an antidepressant or there's a lot of that that's still out in the world. And I say that coming, I'm quoting a GP. That's coming from a female GP that I went to a talk of hers the other night and she said she recognised that there's a bit of a, a, a gap there that our GPs need more training in, I think, <laughs> A little bit of empathy and a little bit more time that women might need because often we go in and going, I don't know what's. I don't know what to tell you. I just feel off. I just feel weird. I don't know what's happening. Um, but for me, the naturopathic doctor, she was like, "Let's look at everything. Tell me what's going on. How are you feeling emotionally? What's happening with this?" And that's what got me through my menopause. It's interesting, Ali, because we're a decade younger than you are, give or take. And I suppose in our 40s, we're starting to implement boundaries. And we had asked you in our chat with you the things that you say no to, the things that you allow time for. And I think this is a skill that as early 40-something women, we're really putting into practice now. So I'd almost like to go back there with you now that you're in your early 50s, can you give us an idea of things you say no to in order to say yes to other things that are important to you? Because we write a chapter in our book 
uh, called The No List. And we've asked a number <laughs> of people, including best-selling author Sally Hepworth, about the things that women no longer say yes to because it takes up too much of our mental load. Where yeah, are you at with yeah. that in your life? What's important yeah. and what do you toss to the curb? Yeah, I, and I. by the way, I love that in your book. I think it's so important. And it, and it gives so much more. When women read your book too, it gives them permission. It's a weird thing, but it does give them permission in their own lives to have their own no, so it's so good. I mean, mine, I, I don't feel like mine are massive in the sense of it's just it's just those little no's along the way of um, no to certain events, no to going out to dinner with people that I don't particularly like <laughs> or going to, you know, just those things where I go, God, I felt like I would have had to have done this years ago. I would have had to have made a conversation um, and I just don't have the time to to do that anymore. I don't have the inclination to feel like I need to sort of be the nice girl really and um, saying, you know, saying no in speaking up just simply my opinion on something where I used to sit on my opinion again just to go, oh, I can't really say that because I don't really agree with that person. Now my husband kind of, his his eyes bulge out of his head half the time because I'm like, I don't agree with that. I think it's actually this, this and this. And he's like, what? But I mean, this and, is and our- I was- I'm going to read you back a quote that we've used in our book from you. And this was a moment for me personally where it was a real penny drop moment. You said, through my 40s, having been a mother for so long, having put myself at the bottom of the list, it was this slow reckoning of going, wait a minute, I actually have needs and I don't want to be stuck in a specific role like this for the rest of my life. That has been incredibly freeing and also really challenging to be able to go, I'm not going to be cooking dinner tonight. I'm going out to my Pilates class. You guys figure it out. As I've aged, there's just been so much more permission I've given myself to put myself an equal first. Because I think there's this understanding that when women say, oh, I need me time or it's time to put myself first, that it comes across really selfish and innately most women are nurturing. So it almost feels counterintuitive when you try to carve out that time. But what we know from interviewing the women we've interviewed from the research we've done for the book is that if you don't do it, you fall to pieces. Absolutely. And then you get resentful. And then the resentment comes out sideways at the very people that you love the most that you're doing all this stuff for. Mm. And that's not good either. So yeah, it's it really is about that equal first. Like no one, no one can have, you know, no one is more important than the other. Though, without you putting yourself at the top of that equality list, it becomes um, it becomes so wearing and tiring. And you know, I remember just that it's so true. Like going out for dinner and not organizing dinner for the kids. You know, before I left, I was like, I've just let them going to make their own dinner imagine that what a crazy wild world world that is but those little things along the way that just I was like oh wow I don't have to do this I don't have to do this anymore and you know a lot of that's that's sort of coupled with the fact my kids have gotten so much older too so they're so much more capable but um yeah and and it really is asking myself that question a lot of the time do I have to do this do I want to do this 
do I need to do this? And what is oh, it? Like what is that. it I'm feeling? You know? Yeah. And if it's a have to, then I'm like, yeah, I, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I'm not going to so do it. I heard somewhere, I wish I could recall where, Ali, that menopause actually lasts for just one day. That we all have this idea in our head that menopause lasts for years and years and years, but menopause is actually the day you haven't had your period for more than 12 months if you're over 50. I think it's over two years if you're under 50 or something, but that it is those years leading up to it possibly if you're someone who takes that long to go through it. What do you wish you knew before going through and in the lead up to your menopause? Oh, gosh. I wish I knew. I want to say everything. Um I wish I knew, I wish I knew the impact it was going to have on me physically. I wish I knew the impact it was going to have on me emotionally. Um, I wish I had some, because I would have, I, I, I hope I would have prepared myself a lot more. Um, I wish I had have known that there was um, more help out there than you realise. I wish I had have had people that talked to me about menopause and and walked me through it a little bit more. Um, and I wish I had have known about the postmenopausal years as well and and what that can entail and what that can feel like. So I sort of had something to a little light at the end of the tunnel. So yeah, I, 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 pretty much everything I wish yeah. I had known about. <laughs> Ali, I wanted to ask you the process of writing this book because I remember when Sarah and I were saying to you, please tell us you're writing a book, please. Was there hesitation at your end? Was there a little bit of fear perhaps or imposter syndrome about why should I be the one to write this book? I'm not a doctor. I'm not a naturopath. Why have you bitten the bullet and done it for other women? What's so special about this version of a menopause story that we all are fanging to read? Um, I still feel like I have imposter syndrome, actually, when someone says, oh, you're an author. I'm like, ah, no, ah, no. Yeah. that can't be right. That can't be right. Um, look, I... It was, it, it was a weird process in a lot of ways, but it was such a natural process. I, I had always, I've always, I think a little bit like you, you ladies sort of written here and there, done some blogging, done some magazine articles, and I'd always wanted to write a book. And in a million years, you know, take me back five years, if someone said, oh, you, you, you're going to write a book about menopause, I'd be like, absolutely no way would I choose to write a book on that. Um, but it, it was, I remember, I remember it all started from just a simple post on Instagram where I just was feeling so desperately alone and confused and wrote, just put something out on Instagram and the amount of feedback that I had, the amount of DMS that came in. Yes, absolutely. Oh my God, I feel the same way. And I'm like, there's millions of us out there that are going through the same thing, but we're not sharing it. We're not talking about it. We're not um, letting it out in the open and getting some air through it all. So I just, um, I was, I had been mulling this idea about maybe I should, 
maybe I should write about it. Maybe I could write something about menopause as I'm in it. And then um, Alan and Unwin, a, a lady from Alan and Unwin, uh, gorgeous Claire Kingston, approached me out of completely out of the blue and said, would you like to write a book on menopause? I was like, this is the wildest thing ever. I had been con contemplating for all of about a week. Mm -hmm. And then out of the blue, this lady who I'd never met before um, had seen the post and, and went, would you like to write a book? And it was like, I, actually, I would. And then all the pieces started coming together. And it was, it's a, you know, there's a lot about my life, as a model, there's a lot about aging. There's a lot about because what sort of menopause did for me in so many ways, it made me look back through my history of what it, of who I was and how I came into being a woman and all of the stories that shaped me um, in big and small ways into being the person that I was before I started menopause or perimenopause. And then as I was going through perimenopause and menopause, I kept on finding all of those places that were changing and shifting and all the places that had shaped me that were coming up really loud about what that meant to me and how important those experiences were. So I put most of those experiences in the book. So there's a, a lot of information that I've not shared before. Um, so it was... I just, I really just wanted, like I said, I just wanted um, it to be a book that kind of was like a hand to hold for a lot of mm. women that don't feel they've got anyone else to talk to or anyone else that understands. Um, I just really wanted that because it's what I wanted when I was going yeah. through it. I think there's so much cut through when you can read those frank and compassionate anecdotes I, I yes. because there'll always be a place for an encyclopedic type medical reference book we need those yeah. they're, they're very important yeah. but yeah I think the way we consume um material these days has changed dramatically and I think women need those those me too or aha moments mm, where mm. you can pinpoint exactly like even what you just said then about becoming a woman, your journey through womanhood and then that turning on its head. I feel like I've never heard of menopause being articulated in that way before. Mm. And I think it's through these chats or through these chapters in books like yours where women will possibly get the most help well it's it's soothing isn't it because mm. I imagine there are so many women out there who feel like they're gaslighting themselves yes you mm. know yeah or maybe totally like, no you're fine it's just yeah. you know you just had a bad day or whatever that may manifest as so to feel like somebody else is traversing the same path your thoughts are being echoed or you know, you can see those tales reflected in your friends or mothers or aunties or colleagues. That is so very, very helpful. And even, I mean, I find it still to this day, I had a couple of comments on Instagram just this morning and this they were describing exactly my experience, what, what they had gone through. And I felt so excited. I was like, yes, you get me. That's exactly the way I felt going through my um, perimenopause and menopause. So just even having like, just even having those comments helped me, you know, yeah. feel like I'm not so alone as well. So 
it's just um and women do it so well we just do it so well when we talk to each other you know yes it's like it's just we're so we're so amazing like that we're such an organism that you know once we sort of start talking and melding with each other we just get stronger Mm. So I just but sometimes it's... all you need is that little bit of validation. Like you knew yes. you had the seed of an idea, but until the lady from Alan and Unwin said, Hey, let's turn this into a book. You were doubting yourself. Same, same in our situation. But I think the best writing advice surely has to be write what you know. Yeah. You knew yourself, you knew your menopause journey. And the same as yeah. us, we knew what it felt like to look at down the barrel of turning 40 and what this decade holds for women. And um, that's why we're so, we're so very proud to have your words in our book and to be sitting here chatting about the next phase again. And hopefully you. they become companion books. <laughs> hopefully the yeah, woman right? who's traversed or who is traversing Perry and menopause or menopause also thinks to look at our book for her younger friend and so yeah. on. But I do, I do want to share, before we wrap up, I do want to share this with you, Ali, Sarah. I'm sure you'll be on board. But when we chatted with you in season one of our podcast 40, something you said to Sarah and oh, I yeah. actually completely changed something we were doing in our lives and at the time of you uttering these words which I'll read back to you <laughs> we felt so much shame yeah we hearing giving, those words we giving from a lot you. of side eye while so you're I'll, saying I'll, it. I'll give context <laughs> for our listeners we were asking you about all things sort of interventions botox fillers what have you. We were talking about women's beauty as currency and what happens when your looks start fading and that the majority of uh, so many women do Botox, do fillers. And you said to us, I actually don't have any problem with women doing whatever they need to do to feel good about themselves. If that means they want to do Botox or fillers or facelifts or whatever, I have no problem with that because I understand the place and the pressure of why they would. If they look in the mirror and they feel better about themselves, themselves, so be it. What I don't love is when women do that and then they say that they haven't done it. I don't like that. I don't like the dishonesty because if you're going to do it, own it. Now, at the time, Sarah and I had just clicked over to 40 and we had fallen hook, line and sinker for um, that, well, that belief we had to try and retain our youthful looks mm -hmm. and look as pleasant as possible for as long as possible so we had our frown lines injected like it was some kind of Which covert is... operation <laughs> where Lise and I were the only ones who knew what we were doing we didn't utter a word to anybody and then you said that and we thought oh shit. <laughs> because because the dishonesty of it Ali because we it was it was our it was our little secret. We hadn't told our husbands. We hadn't told our sisters. We hadn't told our best mates. We had certainly hadn't told our parents. So what that sat, sat so uncomfortably with us, even before you said those words to us. Right. But yeah. when you said that, we looked at each other and it, it, it started this process for 
us of unraveling the why behind why are we really doing this? And for us, it was panic and stress and we're just doing it because everyone else is doing it. And oh, we look tired. We look angry. Women can't look angry. Oh, dear. What if we are angry? Hide it. Hide it. <laughs> hide and it. That's right. Really, That's a great name. <laughs> your wisdom for us completely reverse engineered how we felt about our aging faces. And we can say now that it's been... 18 months of nothing. We have stopped completely. We are now looking at our faces in the mirror, forehead lines, glabella lines, whatever the hell they're called. And we're just like, yep, we're aging. And what about it? And Ali said in the continuing on in that quote, Mm. Lise, we have so much to offer as we get older because of our life experience. We need women 40 and over to own who they are and just step into that place of being the wise women who can assist younger women, it can show how beautiful age really actually is. And maybe that's the point where we wrap up, Mm. tell me what to read, and we remind people that they can buy both books, 40 Favours the Brave and Ali's book, Queen Menopause, at booktopia.com.au. We could talk to you for at least 16 hours straight. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Thanks, Ali. Congratulations Thank on the board. You. So proud Thank of you. <laughs> Thanks to Lise Carlo, Sarah Wills, and Alison Datto. You can find links to all books mentioned in the description below or head over to booktopia.com.au. And if you enjoyed the show today, drop us a review. Let us know what you think. Stay tuned on Friday for our next episode where I get to sit down for a very special discussion on the upcoming Emerging Writers Festival, which kicks off in June. Thanks for listening and never stop reading.